Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. And we're going to look in 1 John in chapter number 1. We're starting this brand new series of 1 John. And we're entitling it or subtitling it, Walking with Jesus. Walking with Jesus. And we'll see that evidenced in this first part. We did an introduction this morning talking about the purposes of 1 John. That he said, these things write unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that's what God wants us to know. He wants us to know for sure that we have eternal life. Now, with that eternal life, he also wants us to know that we can walk with him. And talk with him. And have fellowship with the Lord. And we're going to see that evidenced here in the book of 1 John. So the book of 1 John in chapter number 1, and if you wouldn't mind noticing with me, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, the word of God says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and that our and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, the phrase at the very end, the word of life. The word of life. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach to you that. The word of life. The word of life. Let's pray if you wouldn't mind. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the great privilege to be in your house now. Thank you so much for giving us your word that we can learn about you and whom you are. We thank you so much for the fellowship that we can have and the eternal life that you offer us full, free, and forever. I'm asking that you would just be with us during this message, that you would open up the doors, open up our minds, open up our hearts, that we can see Jesus. As for me, once again, I ask that if you wouldn't mind to fill me with your precious spirit. The best I know how, I surrender myself to you. My thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my everything. Please fill me with your spirit. And that you get your own work accomplished through your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word of life. Of course, we know that word of life is Jesus Christ. Now... In this, we have an understanding. The first thing I'd like to show you is Jesus' life. Jesus' life. This book, of course, is written 
uh, by the human instrument of John, the Apostle John. John had grown up in the land of Capernaum in the, uh, near the Sea of Galilee. And as he grew up, him and his brother and, of course, his father Zebedee had a fishing business. And he was raised as a fisherman, a big, rough, and tumble guy. Him and his brother had spent their lives fishing uh, and pulling in fish and mending the nets and cleaning them and, and taking care of that business and selling the fish to the people throughout all of the land. Until one day, Jesus came. Jesus came and said, come and see. That's the first thing that we find recorded in the Bible that Jesus said to John was, come and see, come and see. And what happened is that John and his brother uh, James, they left everything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They traveled with him for three and a half years. During that time, they were part of Jesus' inner circle that when Jesus did something special, he would always bring Peter, James, and John. And they were with him in his intimate moments. They were with him and they watched special miracles that the rest of them did not get to see. He got to be a witness of it. He was there. He had special access when Jesus was arrested and he was put on trial. John had access and he got to go inside. Whereas Peter's left behind and he's, he's trying not to admit that he's a Christian to a little maid and everything else. John is right in and he's watching the trial. He's right there. When it comes time that Jesus is put up on the cross, John is there. In fact, Jesus, while he's on the cross, looks at John and looks at his... Um, looks at Jesus' mother Mary and he basically asked John to take care of his mother. That's how much John was trusted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. He was buried on the borrow, in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he rose again. And once again, John was a witness of Jesus' resurrection. He saw him, he talked with him, he ate with him. And then after 40 days, Jesus Christ ascended up to heaven. And John was there and he watched him go up. He also heard an angel say, This same Jesus shall come in like manner. And he's coming back again. And John, of course, lived his life. Now at the time of this writing, 60 years have passed approximately since Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven. John is an old man. He's close to 90 years old. He's had some interesting times. His brother James was the first martyr of the Christian church. He died in the book of Acts. All the other apostles have gone away. They have passed. Peter has been crucified upside down in Rome. Paul has been beheaded. John only remains of those first original disciples. Uh, John also had the privilege of pastoring the church of Ephesus. In fact, we believe this is where John is writing from. He's at the church of Ephesus. He's that great church that Paul started with the Bible Institute. John was one of their pastors. And now as an older man, he's looking back and he's watching as a specific heresy starts to creep into the church. The specific church is, uh, heresy is called Gnosticism. And this Gnosticism has come in and it has the belief that Jesus is God. Sure, we believe that. But there's no way that God, which is spiritual, can manifest itself in a physical manner. Basically what they're saying is that Jesus did not come in the flesh. 
And this is a teaching that has already started to corrupt and started to come into the church. And it's because of this that the Apostle John, the last apostle, the last eyewitness, decides he's going to come and he's going to give his testimony. In fact, the gospel record of John does the same thing. It's written about the same time. He says, let me tell you about Jesus. I was there. Let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what I witnessed. Let me tell you all about it. But this Gnosticism has come in and it is corrupted and it is starting to trinkle in. It's going to have to be something to be dealt with. If you're in the habit of writing things down, may I write an important principle that we find in the Christian? The Bible indicates this too. But in the first generation of Christians, we have, they have convictions. So the first generation of Christians, they have convictions. That means that they have strong beliefs. They believe that this is true and there's no shaking it from them. This is what the Bible says. This is what true is true. They have convictions. The second generation of Christians, meaning that what happens is that the first uh, generation of Christians, they have children and they raise them up in a Christian home. They try to raise them up right. They try to teach them the Bible but what happens is that their beliefs become preferences. So the first generation, they have convictions. The second generation, they, um, they have preferences. They have preferences. So we prefer to do this. So why do you go to church every Sunday? Well, this is what we prefer to do. You see, they water down instead of convictions, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we prefer to do. It waters it down just a little bit. Then the third generation of Christians, they have opinions. Everyone has opinions. This is our opinion. This is, eh, this is what we can do. You can do whatever you want, but eh, this is what we believe. And so what happens is that, and this happens in your home, by the way. This happens everywhere. The first generation of Christians, the first people who choose to walk by faith, their faith is strong. And what happens with each generation, it starts to water down more and more. The answer to this, how to correct this, is that each generation has to learn to live by faith for themselves. They have to learn to walk with God for themselves. As long as they're relying on their parents' faith or their grandparents' faith, what happens, their faith gets worse and worse and worse. By the way, that's what happens to everything within any type of thing. You may have strong personal standards. What's going to happen is that the next generation is going to take it further than what you would. And the next generation of that is going to take it further and push the envelope and go away. That's why we need to be as conservative as possible knowing that the next generation is going to take it further. That we're trying to hold it in the best that we can. But what has happened in John's day is that three generations have passed since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what is happening is that the faith has been weakened up a little bit more until finally you have some people that says, eh, Jesus is probably God, but he, him being God, there's no way that God would actually come down and, in the flesh. So everything that we hear about Jesus, it was a spirit that was coming around. This is where John steps in and says, no, I got something to tell for you. I can imagine, have you ever met a, 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 a strong 90-year-old man that says, no, listen here, Sonny, let me tell you what truly happened. He had some backbone, he had some conviction. Notice what he says in verse number one as we see this thing about Jesus' life. That which was from the beginning 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. He says, let me tell you something. The thing that you heard about Jesus, that Jesus is God robed in flesh, let me tell you about it, that we have heard. He says, I was there with Jesus and I heard him speak. He spoke with real lips. He spoke with a real mouth. I heard him physically talk to me. He was real. He was there. I heard him. That which we... From the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes. He says, I didn't just hear Jesus. I saw him. I looked at him. I was able to watch him for three and a half years. I looked at him. He was real. I just didn't hear him. I saw him. Not only that, notice this. That which we have heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. He says, not only did I hear Jesus, not only did I see Jesus, I touched Him. He was real. I was there. I was able to handle Him. I shook His hand. I hugged Him. Men, you say, men don't hug. The Bible says that John actually was hugging Jesus' bosom. He was hugging Him and just holding Him close during their time. He was that close, that intimate with Jesus. He said, He's real. I touched him. I'm not a crazy old man. Jesus was God robed in the flesh and he was there. I'm an eyewitness. These things are true. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a cunningly devised fable. Jesus was real. He was God robed in flesh and he walked here among us. He lives. He's real. Notice as he goes on, he says, notice the title he uses of God here, of the word of life. He says, you know, want to know who I was touching? I was touching the word of life. John is making reference to what he said in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The book of Genesis starts and says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. So in the book of Genesis, it starts with God creating everything. The book of John starts even before that and says before there was even a beginning, there was God. That it was God. He says, you want me to know, you want to know who I was touching, who I was listening to, who I was handling? It was God, robed in flesh. It was the word of life. It was God revealed in human flesh. It was God. Notice in verse 2 as he continues on with Jesus' life. For the life was manifested. That means it was appeared, it showed, it was evidence. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. He says, you want to know about Jesus? He wasn't a fairy tale. I'm a witness. But not only was he Jesus, he was the word of life. Not only was he Jesus in the word of life, he is eternal life. And when you have Jesus, you have eternal life. You know what he was saying? I have heard eternal life. I have seen eternal life. I have handled eternal life. It is Jesus. He is eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath 
not life. Why? When you have Jesus, you have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. He says, I am life eternal. That's what Jesus is. He is life eternal. And John says, I saw him. He was real. The things that you heard about Jesus, it's not a fairy tale. It's true. It's real. You know what that means for us, dear friend? It's not a waste of time to be in church tonight. You know what that means for us, dear friend? That the Christian life that we live is not for naught. We know that some of the world says, you know those Christians, they're robbing themselves of fun. They can't do this and they won't do this. and that. They're just missing out on life. I want to encourage you, you're not missing out on anything. Because the true life to have is eternal life. And you're not missing a single thing when you have Jesus. You're not missing out on sin for a season. You're not missing out on the consequences of sin. I can't understand why some people think that the greatest thing to do on a weekend is to get trashed and then spend the mornings over the porcelain throne hugging it and bowing down to it and then saying, I want to do it again next week. You know what the Christian life has? It offers something better than that. We're not missing a single thing by having eternal life. We're not missing out. What we have is true. I think I was telling some of you this morning, and I may have referenced it, but there's sometimes that your own flesh, maybe Satan, maybe the world, says, you know, is it really worth it to go to church? I mean, it, you know, hear a sermon and hear this. Is it really worth it? I mean, are we just wasting our time? The answer, according to John, is no, it's not. You know, one of the things about modern-day Christianity is that we have a part-time Christianity. What do, what do I mean by that? That we're Christians on Sundays and then sometimes on Wednesday nights. But during the rest of the week, Jesus isn't involved in our life. That we go to work and we raise our kids and we go to school and we do this and that. But God's not a part of our life. He's not an everyday part of our life. Maybe sometimes we'll throw Jesus a bone and say, well, I'll go soul winning on Saturday. And there we go, I did something religious. But do you know that Jesus wants to be a part of your life every day? He wants you to think about him every day. He wants you to walk with him and talk with him every day. He wants to be a part of your life. He is eternal life. And that eternal life is not just future it is present tense. Sometimes you'll go to a funeral and they'll have on the, the card, they'll say that so-and-so entered eternal life and they'll put a date. Do you know eternal life does not start when you die? Eternal life is a present possession. You can, as soon as you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life right now. It's not something that's a future possession. It is something you can have right now. It is something God wants you to enjoy right now. He wants you to have this abundant, full life. And that life is in Jesus. The second thing I'd like to show you is not only Jesus' life, but I want to show you Jesus' fellowship. Jesus' fellowship. Notice with me in verse number 3, if you wouldn't mind. That which we have seen... And heard, declare we unto you that ye may also have fellowship with us. 
And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you wouldn't mind forgiving the English language, but notice the pronouns. All throughout verse 1 and 2, he's been saying we, we, we. But notice there's almost like two parties. He says, we have seen it, we have seen it, and we're showing it to you. We're showing it to you. Notice verse 3, he does it again. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye may also have the fellowship with us. Notice he's having a division there. He's saying there's an us and there's a you. Remember what is prompting this. There's agnostic people agnosticism that has crept in that says Jesus, who is God, did not appear in flesh. And so what is John doing? He's putting a battle line and says, hey, what we've seen is true. What we believe is true. Jesus is real. Jesus is true. And what we want you to do is have the same fellowship with us. We want you to come with us believing that Jesus is eternal life. He's giving an invitation. He's spreading it out. And he's saying that what we believe is true and you can have fellowship with us by believing in who Jesus is. Verse 3 again. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. We're just telling you what we saw. We're witnesses that ye may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, you know one thing you're missing in your life, dear sir? You know what one thing you're missing in your life, dear ma'am? You're missing fellowship with the Father. You're missing a life where you can actually fellowship, talk, spend time with Jesus Christ right now. If you don't mind holding your place here, we're coming back to it, but turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. What is fellowship? Some people said it's two fellows in a ship. It's two people spending time with each other. And that's what God wants most of all from us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to hear about our day. He wants to walk with us. He wants to labor with us. Uh, We don't like that word. You know what God wants to do? He wants to labor with us. You don't believe me? Let's see what Matthew chapter number 11 says. Matthew 11 and verse number 28. This is a very comforting passage. You've probably heard it quite a few times within your Christian life. Notice Matthew 11 verse 28. Come unto me, all all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus has given an invitation. Come unto me, come unto me. After you've come unto him, this is the invitation to get saved. Verse number 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice that word yoke. Yoke is something they used to put on cattle or horses to put them together. They would put it around their neck so you'd have two or three oxen or horses together. And what they would do is they would put wooden boards, especially back then, and it would combine them. So that way when they plowed a field, you'd have two horses or two oxen together and they would be yoked up and that way they could put their strength together 
and pull a plow or whatever they're putting with them. Maybe a carriage. You put two horses together and put a carriage. What would happen is the horses would share their strength and pull that carriage. But the important thing is that you have to have the same type. For example, if you put a horse and you put an oxen together and yoked them up, what's going to happen is that it's not going to be straight. The strength is not going to be evened out. What's going to happen is that because the horse is made different than an oxen, their legs are different, their stride is different, their pace and their cadence is different. And what's going to happen is that it's not going to ease the burden, it's going to make the burden increased. Maybe I could do a different example. Mr. Stanley, you want it to be used, so come up here. All right? Now, there is a height difference between Mr. Stanley and I, right? I have longer legs than he. So what's going to happen is that if we're going to walk together, we're also going to have to walk at the same pace. you got to stay with me, all right? So what's going to happen is that we have to work to make sure that we stay together. Let's give a different example. Let's turn here. And what I want you to do, let's move you over here, is I want you to walk straight, okay? No matter what, you walk straight. Now what happened, wait, 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 before I, now what's going to happen is I'm going to turn just a little bit to the side, okay? Let's go. Now what's going to happen is that we're getting further and further apart. Why? Because we're not going in the same direction. In order to have fellowship with Jesus, you need to go with him in the same place, the same goal, the same speed, going the same direction. Otherwise, you don't have true fellowship. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to learn of him. He says, take my yoke upon you. The word yoke always carries the idea of work. I know we don't like that idea. But you know how you learn more of Jesus? By working with him, laboring with him, spending time with him, doing things together. That's why ladies get closer when they do projects together. Men get closer when they do projects to get closer to, with each other. Uh, soul winners get closer when they go out together. When we labor together, we learn of each other. And the best way to learn of Jesus is to labor with him, to work with him, to, to go with him, and you start to get his heart. The idea of 1 John is learning to fellowship with him, or maybe we could say walking with him. That God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to go the same pace, the same direction, the same speed, the same goal. He wants us to go with Him and labor with Him and to see what He wants to get accomplished. And while we're doing that, we have such great fellowship with Him. That's what the Lord wants. Notice as He goes on in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. How do I get rest when I'm laboring? When you're walking with Jesus, God gives you a great rest and a great peace for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because he carries the load. We're just harnessed up with him. He does the work. He bears it all. We get to just go along with him and watch him work while we're traveling along with him. His fellowship is the best fellowship. 
Otherwise, you get harnessed up to sin. You get harnessed up to people who aren't going the right direction. You have to bear the burden of all those consequences. But when you're yoked up with Jesus, he takes care of the consequences. He takes care of the burden. And that fellowship is sweet. The the burden is light. There is peace for our souls. Which brings us to the last thing. We talked about Jesus' life. That he was real. He is God. He was God robed in flesh. He did dwell among us. That this is not a mythological book. This is not a fairy tale. Jesus walked on this earth. And he died for your sins and mine. That is true. And that we can have fellowship with him. That we don't have to wait to to heaven to talk with him. We can spend time with him now. And we can be with him. And we have to learn to spend time walking and talking with Jesus. Which brings us to the last thing. Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy. Notice verse verse 4. The Bible says this. 1 John, sorry, going back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. The Bible says this. And these things write we unto you. There's that we and you. So these things write we who have the truth to you that we're trying to tell the truth to that your joy may be full. Do you know what joy we can have knowing that this Christianity is real? What peace in our hearts not having to doubt or wonder, am I really saved? Is Jesus, is this Jesus thing, is it true? It is true. Now remember, joy is different than happiness. Happiness comes from situations. Joy in its purest form is a peace that passeth all understanding. Do you know in the midst of any trial you can have, you can still have joy? You can still have peace in the midst of storms. How can you have that peace? By knowing that Jesus is real. I can't imagine how people go through so many hardships and hard times without knowing the peace that God offers them. And I know many people don't make it through, that they come through with issues and problems and bitterness. But when you're traveling with Jesus and you go through the storms, he can give you a great peace knowing that Jesus is real. You know, they can't take heaven away from us. They can't take away forgiveness of sins. They may try to take away liberties. They may take away rights. They may threaten They may persecute, but they can't take away the peace that God offers. That peace that comes from eternal life. And that eternal life is in Him, Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, dear friend, that you may be at the cusp of thinking, and it happens from time to time, is it really worth it? I come on a Sunday night, and I could be doing something else. Is it really worth it? I want to tell you it is worth it because he lives, because he lives. You know, you say, well, what about this laboring for Christ, serving Christ? Is it really worth it? Oh, let me tell you, it is very much worth it because Jesus lives, because he's real. You say, well, what about this, all these things that go with the Christian life? Let me tell you, every little bit is worth it. Dr. Lee Robertson was a great giant of the past. He went home to be with the Lord at age 97. But towards the end of his life, a preacher had some time to spend with him and talked with him and said, Dr. Robertson, I know you've done all these great things in your life. When you look back at your life and reflect more, what do you think about your life? 
And Dr. Robertson thought about it for a second and he says, I wish I read my Bible more. I wish I prayed more. I wish I trusted God for more. And the guy said, wait, wait, you, you are the pastor of one of the greatest churches in America, one of the biggest churches in America. You were the chancellor of a Bible college. You trained thousands and thousands of preachers to the ministry. He says, says what about all of that? And Dr. Robertson, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. He says, as I look back, I should have read my Bible more. I should have prayed more. And I should have trusted God for more. You know what he's saying is that the most important thing he could have done is spent time with God. More important than Bible colleges. More important than doing all these things. Now, these things are important to have their place. He says, the most important thing, the thing I wished I did more, was spend more time with Jesus. More time in fellowship. More time in prayer. More time in Bible reading. I want to beg you, dear friend, and encourage you that you will never regret time spent in your Bible. You will never regret time spent in fellowship with God in prayer. You'll never regret laboring with Jesus Christ because of who He is. You'll never regret it. And one day you'll look back and be thankful for the times that you spent with the Lord. The greatest thing we can have in this life is a relationship with God, a personal relationship, not just for salvation's sake, but for fellowship's sake, that we can walk with Jesus. We can spend time with Him because it's all true. Jesus is God who was robed in flesh and He loved us so much and He still wants to spend time with us. How is your time with Jesus? How is your fellowship with Jesus? How is your labor with Jesus? Is there something inside of you that as a Christian craves and says, I want that fellowship. I want that relationship. I want that personal walk with the Lord. I'm praying that it does, that something burns in it. You know, even me as a preacher, as I'm saying these things, you know what my heart's saying? I want that. I want that. I want more of it. And I've had some good times in prayer and I've had some good times in Bible reading. And as a Christian, something should scream out in your heart that says, I want more. You can never have too much of Jesus. You can never have too much of Him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero. 
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.